Hey, what up, Long Beach? As Penny Lane said in Almost Famous, it's all happening. Long Beach Spring Sports are in full swing, and we're talking about a little bit of everything this week. As always, the podcast is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post, and as always, we're the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio, and that partnership with the Post extends to more than just sports coverage. We've also been cranking out some great education coverage over the last year and change. We've got a couple big stories coming out soon, including uh, coverage of Monday night school board meetings. So be sure to hit lbpost.com for all that. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson here to remind you that we are not interested in profit. That's not what we do here. We do like to eat. We do like shelter, but we are a local nonprofit journalism outlet. So the way that we continue to do all this great work, running all over the city, getting photo galleries, articles, features, highlight videos, everything that we do, it's because of community support. So we want to be sure, as we do on every episode, to thank our sponsors, to thank our supporters, whether you're a Patreon subscriber, you donate to us on PayPal, whatever it is that you do, we appreciate you. Thank you for helping us stay in business with all of your support. And if you haven't supported us yet, there's always time. And contributions to the 562 are fully tax deductible. Head to the website, the562.org, click that support tab, and it'll give you some options for how you can help us continue to cover the LBC. So much to cover, so little time to do so. We are skipping our rock across the pond that is Long Beach Sports right now. Going to touch on a little bit of everything. Let's go Let's go SVP on it. What have you seen recently? What's, what's your favorite thing you've seen recently? It doesn't have to be a result or a championship or anything like that. We have been to basically every sport Long Beach has to offer within the last month or so. So what do you guys think? is the coolest thing you've seen over the last week. Well, why don't you start, JJ? You're lobbing the question out there, and and, and you're expecting us to just step up. If you've got something in mind, look here, baby bird. <laughs> uh, I got to say, it's Long Beach State Golf, man. We have talked so much about how we want local Long Beach athletes to be at Long Beach State. Well, we've got them, and they're winning. Hunter Epson, Tyler Schaefer, both former Wilson Bruins, now players on the Long Beach State men's golf team. They win their first Big West Conference title in since 2004 last week. And then this week, our guy, Hunter Epson, was named the Big West Men's Golfer of the Year as five different dudes from that squad. Uh, Michael Wilson's all of a sudden really good golf team over there at Long Beach State were also named all-conference. So obviously we've talked a lot about how good golf is in Long Beach and we haven't really had a lot of tangible evidence to prove that well I think we do now and I think this could also lead to maybe a little bit more local recruiting over there at the beach something we've all talked about so much yeah we've talked about it a lot JJ and uh no that's a that's definitely a good a good one for sure uh, coach Wilson over there is doing it doing a great job with that program JJ I'm gonna meet you at the country club love it you're at the golf course I'm on the tennis courts I had a lot of fun with the uh, Millican boys tennis team um, at league finals in singles play an all Millican final and the legacy Andy Nguyen will <laughs> we will hear more from him later in the show, but uh, it was cool to see another Nguyen same family four different siblings have won more league. And so it was pretty cool um, to see that and Millican tennis having a very historic season and, and really that whole program um, over at Millican is, is having a solid year. So that was, that was fun to see. And JJ, you and I covered the girls tennis with Maddie Tad and talked about her on a previous episode. So, you know, it's, these, these other sports in the LBC people sleep on them, but they're a lot of fun. I've been very impressed with the quality 
of the tennis out there. And obviously, usually we're at covering that thing at uh, Billie Jean King. It's been at Lakewood, so it's a little bit different. But the overall quality of high school tennis is always really impressive to me because it is one of the more physically taxing sports that nobody talks about being physically taxing. There's a lot of things you have to do on a soccer pitch. There's a lot of things you got to do on a football field, on a basketball court, and all these things. But with tennis, it's the dynamic movement of basically all of those sports combined. You have to stop start. You have to have a top peak speed. You have to have strength, but you also have to have longevity and endurance. You've got to have it all to be a good tennis player and to watch those kids out there in the hot, hot heat of the afternoons that we've been experiencing recently. And trust us, those campus courts are not the place you go to get cool. It's tough. It's tough out there. And those kids are out there running for two straight matches. You got to play the semifinals and the finals on the same day. I mean, we talked to Maddie Tad about it last week on the podcast. You can listen to that interview if you want to go back right now. She was exhausted, dude. And you could see it too. Half of the fun of watching tennis on the on TV is watching people be at their peak. But for me, the most fun is watching people struggle and find a way through those, those valleys to get back to the peaks because the peaks are where it's at, but you can't get there without the strug. And, uh, and I just, I'm really impressed with the overall quality of everybody that I've seen on those tennis courts the last two weeks. You're definitely playing uh, sports in a convection oven. Uh, <laughs> it's sort right. of cooking you from beneath when you're on the campus tennis court. That's the broiler. That's the broiler, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a, I've got two, uh, one on the job, one off the job, but I, I think you guys will appreciate the one off the job. Um, I've been uh, I've been an assistant coach for my son's uh, single A baseball team at El Dorado Park this year, and there's a specific thing I've noticed that uh, really cracks me up, but that I think is also a cautionary tale for all the parents listening. There's a there's always a couple dads that that go from screaming instructions at their kids from the bleachers, and then when their kid gets up to bat, they take the phone out to record, and they go from fix your feet the way I told you to. Hey, yeah, Josh, that's great. Like, way to, way to get after it. <laughs> and it always cracks me up because it's like, you know, it's, you're showing me that you recognize how you should be parenting. <laughs> probably probably the same people that criticize, like, uh, models on Instagram. It's like, oh, it's probably doctored photo or Photoshop or whatever. It's like, right. you're all right, right, right. changing so your I, appearance to the world if you think about it. So I'll just throw that out there as my parenting advice to everyone is we're all rounding a third on this very long and taxing school year for all parents and kids in the city. Uh, parent the way you want everyone on Instagram to think you parent and just do it even when you're not on Instagram. Uh, the other thing I've noticed, uh, the, the number one thing I want to talk about, which I think gets us into our next segment is I was so impressed with Asia Atkinson and London Lee of the St. Anthony track and field team. Um, we'll, we'll get into it in a second, but really unfortunate situation for them. Their results at Arcadia were disqualified over the weekend um, Atkinson in particular did something historic. I think we've only covered two kids who've done it before and had two individual event wins at Arcadia, winning the hundred hurdles and the long jump. Um, and because of this DQ, you know, they're supposed to give the medals back the times DQ'd, you get wiped out of the history books. And she was so mature in the way she handled it. Um, I thought more mature perhaps than some of the, uh, adults involved. You can take out the perhaps Mike. But uh, yeah, I, I got a chance to, uh, we didn't get a chance for a full interview because she was also doing three events when I saw her at, uh, at Polly yesterday. 
Um, but I got a chance to catch up with her for a second. Just very, very impressed by her perspective. And she's one of those kids. And I think we see this in track and field where there's just a real maturity in the perspective of she gets that she's learning a lesson about grace and, um, you know, how to persevere and how to overcome people sort of working against you. And I, I was just very, very impressed by that. Um, really impressed with all the kids that we covered just that they're functioning right now after the year that they've had, where, as we've talked about on the show, you just imagine being 16 years old and having your friend group taken away from you for a year. Um, but she in particular really, really kind of wowed me over the last couple of days. Yeah. The funny thing is, you know, they, <laughs> they tried to stop her shine, but they only made it brighter because I was already impressed by her, her marks, her performance at Arcadia the only thing that really could have made me more impressed in Asia Atkinson is how this played out. And it's like, Oh, on top of that, she's incredibly mature and level-headed and like a role model now for athletes. Like, okay. I only appreciate her accomplishments more because I know the person behind it. And uh, you know, Mike, it was, is a great story that that's up on, on the five, six, org right now that, that you put together. And um you know, I mean, let's get into a little bit more of the details on that, you know, if people aren't familiar with what happened. So basically the rule is uh, that you're not allowed to compete in two track meets on the same day, which I believe is intended to protect the athletes from overuse. But in this specific instance, Atkinson was very careful to limit the use on her body. And not, and not only that, let's be fair, the, the CIF changed the rules for basically every sport to allow multi-sport athletes JJ, you had a great feature about Xander McLaurin, um, you know, playing two sports in one day. But yeah, Mike, kind of give everybody the rundown of, of why this is so silly. It's a CIF Southern section rule that you can only compete in one track and field event per day. So you could literally do qualifications for one event on Friday. You can compete at the event on Saturday. And I think actually specifically Arcadia has done that, that, that you can qualify at a different event on a Friday and then compete at Arcadia on Saturday. I, I think it's also important to note that Arcadia is a huge deal. A lot of people outside the track and field world wouldn't know that Arcadia is something that every track and field athlete circles when they're circling things on the calendar, like the CIF finals right. or state finals. Arcadia has got a circle around it. Well, and we didn't even know it was going to happen this year too. And so it wasn't like it was easy to plan for it because it was in doubt whether it would even take place. Yeah. But yes, to Arcadia almost replaces the state meet this year, which Mike referenced in his article. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think I can do it in about 90 seconds for our non-track and field people. But basically, these, these two girls, the two St. Anthony kids, competed at a league meet, which was scheduled for Saturday. They competed against St. Paul, um, which did not really have any competition for them. Asia Atkinson literally ran unopposed in the 100 hurdles um, and just kind of jogged through it in order to score the points for her team. She sat on the track and did uh, – sat on the field and did homework – during the long jump competition, passed all of her attempts, then did her last one to win the points for her team for league. Um, then they go to Arcadia, where the state meet has been canceled this year for high school track and field. And Asia Atkinson was set to become St. Anthony's all-time leading state championship winner in track and field this year. I mean, she's the surefire favorite in the 100 hurdles and absolutely a contender in the long jump as well. In fact, she jumped 20-plus feet uh, at Poly on Wednesday. So... Super, super talented kids. All the best in the state are going to Arcadia. So that was absolutely, as Tyler said, that's going to be, quote unquote, the state meet this year. And so because these kids were jumping and competing in their league meet and trying to compete in what is effectively the state meet, they end up getting punished specifically because, according to St. Anthony track and field coach Erica Brooks, 
the St. Paul coach wished them good luck at Arcadia, knew they were going to Arcadia, said, hey, good luck. You know, and then the next day after seeing that Asia had won two events, called the St. Anthony athletic director to report the violation and contest the meet. Um, Erica's speculation was that, you know, the coach was doing that in order to try and DQ their league performances so that the St. Paul team would gain a points advantage in league against St. Anthony. Instead, by CIF rule, your second event is what you get scratched out of. So the league result stands but the girls lose their history that they made at Arcadia, um, which was really brutal. And I, you know, you can read the story. I've got, I, I thought really great quotes from Erica Brooks, as well as St. Anthony AD, Chris Morrison, who acknowledged this is on him, that he didn't know the rules as an AD, that this specific rule had not been changed. You know, they, they, they were really open in expressing their frustration and kind of questioning if this isn't a year where we're more about kids' experiences than looking for rules to enforce, then, you know, what, what are we all doing out here working triple overtime, which we are as well, right? What are we all doing if we're not trying to give these kids an experience? They're going to miss their high school graduation to compete in CIF finals in Division Four, where it's going to be kind of similar to league finals. There's no competition for Asia Atkinson in the Division Four championships in CIF in the 100 hurdles, but that's the school she chose to go to. And so, it, you know, again, they sort of felt like she's being punished for trying to do the right things for her team. Uh, and uh, I, I, th I think it's a good story about what we're all here for or not here for in, in the spring of 2021. Yeah, I think it's kind of what what kind of lessons are we teaching, right? Because we, we always say, hey, play for the the name on the front of the jersey, right? Even though in, in track they do put your, your name on the front sometimes. But, uh, you know, it's to worry about team first, right? Don't make it about your individual accomplishments. And so the only reason that that Asia and, and London were competing at the league meet was to help their team win a team championship, you know? So, like, shouldn't that be a good thing and applauded. So you're basically saying, no, what we wanted you to do was only think about yourself so that you could get, actually get a competitive event and a prestigious event, a national platform at Arcadia. And then also we're saying you will get snitched out, but ultimately even the snitching didn't work because it didn't help St. Paul at all. It only hurt the student athletes. And I thought that this year was about giving something back to the student athletes who'd lost something. And now Asia's going to lose the chance to compete at state twice in her career. Right. But again, all this did was show what type of person that she is and how mature, you know, um, how mature she is in, in handling this setback and, you know, just full, full credit to her, but it is truly a shame. And I think a lot of us need to look in the mirror and say, what are we doing here? Yeah. And I, you know, you mentioned she, she was so impressive. She signed with Cal. We should add, by the way, I mean, she's truly one of the best in the country and, and deserving of a chance, quite frankly, to really compete against the best. So I, I am glad she said in a tweet said, you can never take the experience away. You know, I won two events at Arcadia. It was an incredible experience. Um, I would just add on a personal level, you know, we, we, we understand the, the deal with rules enforcement. I'm not, I'm not out here blasting the CIF for not changing the rule or, or Rich Gonzalez at Arcadia. I mean, I, like track and field, it's very important to that community that they follow every rule to the letter of the law. And I mean, to the extent that we have seen teams do this kind of stuff to Polly and Wilson, that I believe at a state meet, someone was pointing out that the piping was not the same color as the letters on a jersey, which in some part of the rule book, it stated that it had to be. Um, I, I mean, you see some really wild stuff in track and field. And I think at this point, 
I've accepted there are people in that sport for whom adherence to those rules is the top priority. And I think the people in that sport have accepted that every time those stories come to light, the general sports public is very upset about it because that's not how most people feel about sports. Um, but th- this was just a, it's, it's really unfortunate, like we said. And I also do think it was revealing of, you know, Asia and London's uh, character. This is not about the actual rule because the rule is on the books. You know, as, as I mentioned, St. Anthony Athletic Director Chris Morrison said, he's the AD. He should have known that that rule is on the books. Um, but to focus on the rule for a second, We've glowingly written about Tyler mentioned JJ's great feature on Xander McLaurin at Wilson playing baseball and quarterback on the same day, which he got on television for where they basically just read JJ's feature, <laughs> which is great. But, uh, but similarly, I mean, we've covered that all over the place. I, I wrote up in glowing praise, uh, Nico Kokiko, like for the Wilson uh, track and field and cross country and basketball team, he competitively ran a half mile, broke the school record for the track team. And then that night played basketball. There's much more da- quote unquote danger in doing that than a girl running two 13 second races. <laughs> Bro, I, I covered uh, Wilson baseball at Poly, And after the game, I remember Tommy O'Toole came up to me and hit and be like, Hey, are you, are you guys going to go to the, the Wilson Milliken or Wilson Lakewood game tonight? And I was like, Oh uh, man, I'm not sure. And then it, it occurred to me, Oh yeah, he's on the basketball team. So he's going right. to be playing and one, and it's just like, that's what we're doing. But we put all those fine. rules aside because that's how crazy the schedule is right now that we, everyone understood we need to grant more flexibility, but as coach Brooks said, except for track and field. Yeah. And, and I gotta say it's, it's not, it's still not too late to make things right. You know what I mean? That's they're just words on paper and they can still make things right. If they wanted to, I'm not expecting them to do so, but let's, let's all just kind of look at what's, what's important here. And um, yeah, but either way, regardless, props to Asia, props to London on their accomplishments, excited to see what they do the rest of the way. Pretty hilarious that a track and field coach worried about the rules, didn't know the actual rules, because I guarantee you that St. Paul coach was like, well, this is going to get us a better league positioning. Still not aware of the actual rule that he was being a stickler about. That's just kind of funny to me. And also, shout out to the Cal Bears, uh, getting a lot of really good Long Beach athletes and a lot of really good kids. You guys mentioned uh, Atkinson and uh, breaking news Top local swimmer Hank Rivers out of Wilson High School is verbally committed to go to Cal. Uh, that will obviously be a real commitment later on next year. But verbal commitment from him from Cal is pretty strong because Hank Rivers is uh, a man of his word, as, as we've seen time and time again. Just a really good kid. We talked to Coach, uh, Coach Eric Berg about him a couple episodes ago if you want to go back and listen to that. And I'm sure we'll have Hank on the show as well talking about why he chose Cal. I feel a Cal Bears feature coming in the Gazettes, possibly uh, possibly this summer. Speaking of features, Mike had a great feature about the Millican girls soccer team last week, about how they bonded off the pitch and then became such a better team on the pitch. They showed that this week, beating Jay Sarah at home 6-0 in the first round of the CIF playoffs. That is just unbelievable. We're going to talk to Coach Tino Nunez in just a second about that, but I wanted to mention that that is just one of a lot of really great stories and accomplishments and league championship races that the Millican Rams are involved in right now. You've got softball, baseball, girls and boys tennis, 
Um, I mean, we already talked about cross country last week, and I think we've mentioned it before how well the Rams are doing right now. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about how there's always a team in a league or a conference or whatever. They're not the top team, and they're certainly not the bottom team. But every time they're good, that league or conference immediately gets better, both to play in and to watch and to cover and to follow and all those things. And for the more league, in pretty much every single sport, Milliken is that team. If Milliken is good, the more league is good. And that goes for baseball and softball and basketball and football and all those things. You can go over time and look to see what the Rams are doing. And if they are playing well, the league gets better. Not just better to watch and more entertaining, but like a good league makes for better teams time and time again. We're seeing that with soccer right now. And the Rams are doing that across all sports. So big shouts to the Milliken Rams and what they've been able to do in these last, I don't know, two or three months through all the craziness. There's a couple teams out there that are just a, a lot of fun to watch, man. Just a lot of fun. JJ, are you calling the the Milliken Rams the Knicks? Because I feel like the NBA is better when the Knicks are good. So That's a good one. Or Los Angeles football. I actually think, you know, but, it, but the Knicks are, the, but the Knicks are also like a, the, one of the historic franchises. I was trying to think like, they're not the, the Lakers and Celtics though. Yeah. No, and my, that's true. no, you're right. You're right. When, how old were you when you watched the Knicks playoff win? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Milligan's definitely been better, better over the last 10 years in every regard than the Knicks. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And I mean, you know, that, the difference between like, there's no sport that Milliken's good at where the league is not fun and competitive. You think of when Chris Francis was at uh, Milliken as the boys basketball coach, you all of a sudden you had to cover like two games every night in the more league versus right now where it's like, okay, when are, when are Polly and Compton playing? Right. Um, with baseball, it's the same way. It's, it's a sport where you have four teams that could genuinely win a championship. Most of the time, boys soccer has been super fun and competitive um, you know, that, that girls soccer team has completely upended the more league and turned that from a league where for a decade, you kind of just showed up to cover the Wilson and Polly game twice to, oh man, you have a genuine three-way, ch- you know, chase for this championship every year. Um, so you're they're They're absolutely that team that's sort of the bellwether team that, you know, that lifts everyone up when they're better. Before we get to those interviews, we also have to mention Long Beach State. We're going to have another episode of the LB Fee Show with AD Andy Fee coming up for you next week, early next week on the uh, on the website, 562.org. You can listen to all the episodes of this pod and that pod at the website. But just wanted to shout out Long Beach State softball, having an incredible season, uh, multiple girls leading the conference in multiple statistics, and they are taking on – they took on Cal State Fullerton uh, on the weekend – and we'll obviously be recapping that to see if they can grab that conference title. Even if they don't grab the conference title, it's just a great way to end a season where they were the last team to get on the field. They were able to overcome that challenge for the conference title and will almost certainly be in the postseason yet again. Another program on the Long Beach State campus that got so much better with transfers. Not that they went out looking for them, but they were definitely a landing spot for a lot of SoCal softball players who wanted to go away to college, got a little homesick, and wanted to come back. And it's a perfect place to get in there, get into a starting lineup, and play immediately. There was a handful of them from uh, Old Miss a couple years ago that got them going, and there's another group right now, um, especially Shannon Haddad in the circle from San Jose State. Uh, it's such a funny story. Shannon Haddad pitches an absolute gem 
against Long Beach State last year. Long Beach State walks away, and they're like, wow, that's, that girl can really pitch, man. Impressive. And she ends up in the transfer portal, and Long Beach State's like, hey, remember that girl who absolutely owned us last year? We can have her on our team now. And she's been phenomenal. So we'll get to see her this weekend and talk about that on the LBP show on Monday. We had Tuesday night friends in from out of town. Uh, if you have been following our work for a while, you'll recognize the name. Uh, Ariana Washington, who is an eight-time state champion at Long Beach Poly, went on to be a national champion of historic proportions at Oregon and then to be an Olympian. Um, and her husband, uh, Clayton Murphy, um, who is the uh, a reigning bronze medalist at the Olympics in the 800, he's getting ready to go to Tokyo. Uh, they were in town. They stopped by for dinner. Uh, I was very happy to say dinner's on us. Go out and pick up some Naples Rib Company. That used to be kind of a staple uh, for my wife and I when we'd have people in from out of town or people come over to dinner as we'd just go throw a little cash at Naples Rib Company, um, you know, bring back some food that was good enough barbecue that whether we had friends from the South, we had friends from the Midwest, everyone was happy to uh, enjoy some delicious Naples Rib Company. Uh, it got glowing reviews this week as well. And hey, if it's good enough for Olympians, it's good enough for you and me. Um, Naples Rib Company, longtime supporters of ours, longtime supporters of uh, everything sports in Long Beach. So be sure to support them as well. Get down to Naples Rib Company. Tell them the 562 second. All right, let's whip it around the horn and talk to some of the stars of local sports this week. We just mentioned it, and we'll get it out of the way right now. That Millican girls soccer team had lost their last two CIF playoff games to Jay Sarah. That means their season was ended by Jay Sarah. Two years ago, it was at the death in double overtime, a game that looked destined for PKs, but the Lions stole it and then were um, less than cordial after the game. Let's just say that. And then last year, Jay Sarah comes in with a very, very talented squad and kind of hands it to the Rams 4-0 at Milliken. That's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Millican Ram. But then they come back this year. They have the incredible turnaround late in the season that we mentioned. And guess who's waiting for them in the CIF playoffs? It's Jay Sarah once again, as Coach Tino Nunez said in a text message that day. I guess 100th time is the charm. So the quote, quote of that quote of the year from Tino. I love 100th times the charm. So they get ready for this game with that in mind. I mean, they mentioned it before the game. It was like, this is our time to show that we belong in Division One, and we got to beat teams like this, these private school powerhouses, in order to do that. And then they did, bro. And oh my, did they ever. It was a smashing. 6-0 doesn't even begin to tell the story. And I hinted at it in the video but I'll go all the way in here on the podcast because that's kind of what we do here. We pull the curtain back a little bit. Jay Sarah is a tough soccer team to watch, mainly because of their attitude. And it starts with their head coach. And I, won't, I don't need to say his name right now. If you, if you know who I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about. It starts with their head coach. And it's just difficult, dude. Guy walks onto the pitch in the middle of the second half because one of his players is injured. Doesn't even go to the player. Walks straight to the referee and starts complaining. Obviously gets a yellow card. If you've watched a second of high school soccer, you know that that's what happens if the coach walks onto the field and starts complaining to the referee in the middle of the game. So they get that yellow card. You're not supposed to do that. Not supposed to do that. And then other girls got yellow cards because, you know, leadership, following leadership, lead by example, all of those things. So they are going through what is clearly a frustrating experience. And Milliken just went all Long Beach soccer on him. Hit him with pace. Hit them with changes that they weren't expecting to come. Hit them with literal physical uh, action, but never fouled. 
Milliken fouled, I think, six times in the first 50 minutes of that game. Meanwhile, the Lions were just racking up yellow cards and fouls. And it was so clear to me that one side was incredibly talented individually. Way to go. Awesome. I'm sure you're awesome at your club. The other side was playing like a team from the bench into the stands and then back onto the field. It felt like a program. It felt like a team that wanted real, true greatness for each other, not just themselves. And wouldn't you know it, that's exactly how the game played out. There are so many clips in that video where you're like, yeah, that one team is looking for their teammates. And the other team is just, you know, kind of putting it up and hoping that somebody else does something magical. And 6-0, I mean, it speaks for itself. So we talked to Coach Tino Nunez after the match. That, uh, that Milliken bench, man, they really enjoyed that game. There, there's, there's a group that has been here and has played against them all three years. <laughs> and uh, it's just one of those, like, let, let's get our respect kind of thing. Let's, let's, this, this is the time. This is the year. If we're going to do it, I thought we had the group. And, and at the right time, we were peaking. You know, we're peaking at the right time. So I think, you know, with, with them taking it to a whole nother level in, in their individual performances and us being a team, this was the time to do it and what better you know what better feeling to do it at our home especially after what happened last year surprised by the final score line at all yeah of course i mean of course i'm surprised i didn't you know i don't think it's a six what was it six yeah six zero game i don't think that's what it is but it's just a matter of you know as the game went on and you know we kept wanting it we stayed on top of it and you know, I think I think at those moments the game kind of gets out of hand, right? It's like whether you're pushing numbers up or yeah. whatever it is that they're trying to do, it's either you lose the game two three zero or you kind of go and you lose it six zero. So I don't, I don't, you know, obviously it's not six zero, but it's it's definitely uh, our team was the better team and yeah. and we showed it today. Um, Hannah starting other guys off right was that a part of the game plan? Did that just open up perfectly for her? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we broke down of what we were able to see. We broke down a couple areas and I mean, credit to her, you know, her being able to cut in. We talked about her using her left foot in the last couple of games. She's been trying it, trying it. And both her first goals were with her left foot, you yeah. know? So it shows a lot of growth on her part and it's a lot of composure, especially in the final third. Uh, Reyes was phenomenal. Talk about her. Yeah, like three, three assists or yeah. something like that. She's just, you know, she had, she had them on skates, <laughs> but she, you know, when she's on, she could be your best player, you know, best player on the field anytime she's on. So the fact that she she was engaged and she wanted it, you know, it's her senior year and she's just starting. She's getting better every game right now, you know. Took her a little bit, but now she's going. Yeah. What's the key to maintaining the momentum? Uh, just keep that feeling, you know, keep that energy. It, it takes everyone. So, you know, everyone knows that it's not just the ones on the field. It's, it's that group that's here cheering them on. It's, it, you know, it's us kind of being the rah-rah and, mm -hmm. and being their biggest fans. And it takes everyone. And this is, you know, the credit to, to everyone here is kind of just rallying behind what, what Milliken Girls Soccer is doing. So that's the great part. Such a great program Tino's building over there. It's going to take a couple more years to not get screwed in the playoffs, though. I'm not saying that the CIF and the people who decide those playoff brackets are like, oh, you know, forget Long Beach, dude. They, they're not good at soccer. They can, just, they can just deal with that. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that over and over and over again, Long Beach soccer teams get real tough draws in the CIF playoffs. Perfect example. Millican Girls Soccer. They win three straight league titles. Three-peat. First time in history for sure, but a three-peat is not to be sneezed at, especially when you're playing historically amazing programs like Wilson and Polly every year. 
They have to play Jay Sarah for the third straight year in a row. Like I said, private school powerhouse. And then they have to play Corona Santiago in the second round. Corona Santiago, the defending CIF Division I champions. You got to play that team in the second round after winning three straight league titles? That is just real tough. And another example of how Long Beach soccer is getting better, but they're going to have to beat some really, really, really good teams in order to make themselves one of the mainstays in Division One. Well, I say 6-0 wins certainly, uh, you know, <laughs> is a message to put some respect on my name, you know. And uh, ultimately, you know, they have a chance to go out there and win. And, you know, Jay Sarah Sarah, right? <laughs> Speaking of Milliken, I know we talked about how well the, the program was doing. It was an all Milliken final at the Moore League Boys Tennis Singles Championships, and it was underclassmen. It was a freshman, uh, Nolan Alvarez, going up against sophomore Andy Nguyen. And uh, as we mentioned, Nguyen, a legacy, uh, the fourth sibling in his family to win the individual title in the Moore League. And uh, he said it was definitely strange going up against a teammate in the final, but he was happy to win and happy to continue this historic season for Millican Boys Tennis. What was it like getting to play a teammate in the final? You know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you were looking forward to, to having the chance to, to win the tournament, you know, as the as the top seed. But w- were you glad that it was a, a teammate and a familiar face on the other side of the net? Uh, definitely not. I mean, like, especially playing a teammate's hard because, like, I mean, we're all so close. And, like, playing a teammate is, like, it kind of messes with your mind a little bit because you'd rather play an opponent that, like, you don't really know that well. Mm-hmm. But it was still a good match. I still respected him, and I played my hardest to, to respect his game. And, yeah, that's, that's how it just went. Um, you know, I was talking to coach and, you know, obviously you got off to a great start as a freshman last year, didn't get a chance to finish that season. And now you're able to come back. You're finally here, able to play for a more league championship and you win it. How excited are you to finally get this opportunity to go, you know, win a championship and represent Milliken? Well, I'm, I'm really excited because last year we were expecting big with our team and then just having coronavirus and everything to end it. I mean, it really sucked. And then now we just got our, we got a second chance. I mean, they're like, we're really living up to it right now and we're undefeated in the season. And, you know, I think I played well throughout the whole league. And, yeah, I'm just, like, excited that I won. Uh, you know, what was what was working well for you today? Um, I mean, I, I, it was obviously a fairly um, fairly quick run for you through the tournament. But, um, you know, what was the – you know, what was working as far as your game, um, at least in the – today in the semifinals and then ultimately in the finals? Well, my, my especially my forehand. I think my forehand is, like, the strongest part of my game. And whenever they hit to it, I think I get, like, an attack off it and I – I can play defense really well with it, and it's just, like, something I'm very comfortable playing with, and then, yeah, I think that's the main reason why I want today. Uh, as you look forward, you know, that you guys obviously have had a great year as a team, and then you individually. Um, you know, what, are you, what are you looking forward to in the next few weeks in the postseason? You know, do you have any goals for yourself or for the team, or are you just going to take it one point, one, you know, game, set, match at a time? You know, I'm just going to just train harder and just uh, hopefully just keep going with this momentum because, I mean, we're like a great team, but next year it's obviously different. Everyone's getting new players and stuff. But I'm just going to train hard, and hopefully my teammates train hard too, and hopefully we can just keep this run going until I'm done with school. Um, coach was talking about, she said, the fourth in your family to, to win this. What, <laughs> what's, the, what's the tradition that you have? What's the connection to the, the rest of your family that's won, uh, won more league? I mean, we all work hard, and we're all, like, I don't know. We all feel good winning this. Um, yeah, I mean, we're all good players, and then we all, our hard work pays off, and yeah, we just aim to win this league, and hopefully our dad, like, helps us, and yeah, that's how it goes. So, yeah, where did it start? Was Did it start with your dad, and then you've got siblings or cousins, or who is it? Yeah, I mean, my dad has, obviously, me and three other siblings who all won more league themselves, 
and he trains us each uh, individually and like he helps us work hard he pushes us to our to our limit and uh, yeah he, he makes our goals we have to aim our we have to aim high and then uh, this playing more league is just like um, you know like a reward of working hard was there pressure on you to, to deliver that <laughs> did you um, were they were they hitting you up and, and saying hey you got to bring it home or do you just uh, worry about your own uh, your own situation don't worry about what they say I mean no because they know that they're great players here and they they obviously want me to win but they don't they just expect me to do my best I mean not all the time that I'm gonna it's a, they're not always expecting a win they just want me to try my best out here and yeah there's always gonna be good players so I just try my best and hope for the greatest outcome. The Rams, as a team, winning their first team championship since 1997 under head coach Tory Frapwell. And uh, we also went back in the memory banks a little bit as uh, Coach showed me a, a video, one of our videos uh, from back in the day that featured a young Andy Nguyen uh, at league finals uh, went, where his sister was winning back-to-back -back championships. Um, so I threw that in the highlight video, so be sure to get to the website and check that out. It was fun to go back through the the memory banks and to realize how long we've been doing this the little kids that we see at games are now out here winning league titles and uh it's cool makes you feel a little bit old but really it's just nice to know that we're a part of these kind of family histories now and preserving these memories for for decades at this point well i, I want to point out like uh, aj luke who's been a longtime assistant at poly his son got into poly this year to attend as a freshman in the fall and the way he announced that on Instagram was with a clip from one of our Thanksgiving practice videos from like 2009 of him playing catch with his son, who was like four years old at the time. Right. Like, I don't think any of us think about those things when we're recording. You're just like, oh, here's a fun scene. You're not thinking about 10 years down the road. I don't know that any of us are thinking about anything 10 years down the road. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It, it's really special those moments you have when you realize how significant those those tiny things you do as part of your job are to, you know, families over the course of their whole lifetimes. The Moore League isn't the only thing we cover. Mike, you were able to get out to some St. Anthony basketball where Coach Cav has the Saints cooking yet again. Yeah, they've been, uh, you know, the, they've been the best team in the city the last couple of years. Very, very entertaining team. Um, still playing a very aggressive and uh, and enjoyable to watch brand of team defense. Very balanced scoring. They had five guys between 10 and 15 points in a win over Sarah last night. Uh, it was a really important win. They had uh, started the, the, the league in really good shape. They'd only lost to St. Bernard's and they felt like they'd be able to get him in a, a kind of a second game. Um, but then, and they beat Bishop Montgomery. Then they lost to Bishop Montgomery uh, the, the game before they played against Sarah. So that moved them out of a first way tie, a, a two way tie for first place with St. Bernard, who had lost to Sarah. Um, and so they needed to beat Sarah last night to set up a league championship showdown with St. Bernard on Friday night, which will be on the road, unfortunately. Uh, and very impressive win as they were able to bounce back from that defeat earlier in the week and knock off Sarah. You know, you mentioned it. You guys coming off a tough loss. I uh, thought that was a very good bounce back game. Three quarters of very good defensive basketball. You know, how did you feel you guys played? I thought we, we defended decently in the first half. Obviously, we let Jeremy get off. He had 11 in the first half. In the third quarter, he almost, I don't know if he scored, but with a minute or two left, he still had 11. So, you know, obviously, we wanted to try to make it tough for him. He's a really good player. Uh, he got loose from us for a couple of times, but I thought, Overall, we were on pace to, to defend, uh, to keep them under 60. That's always our goal, to keep teams in the 50s. Um, and then obviously, 
I thought the last four or five minutes of the game, we kind of just stopped trying to get in guys' way and don't foul and ended up fouling anyway. Just, you know, it's kind of a plan not to lose and we end up doing the, doing the dumb stuff. So I thought for three and a half quarters, we did a decent job. Um, what, how do you feel about where you guys are generally? We mentioned you're replacing a lot. You're looking for guys to step up. You're get you're closing in on the playoffs. You know where are you in that process of kind of figuring out what it's going to look like in the playoffs? Well, today was a step in the right direction. You know, we we had been playing with the two bigs. Today we knew Sarah would be athletic, so we decided to go with the four guards and Elijah. Um, and then we still had Dedrick and uh, James come off the bench. Both played really well, so I thought it was a good blend for us of playing with size and speed. And even with the first first half, both Elijah and Kai had two fouls early, and so we sat them, and we were still able to maintain the lead. So I thought our bigs came in off the bench and helped us. And this is George Ashley, who led the way with 16 points, talking about how fun it is to play for a team where any guy could go for 20 points on any given night. Congratulations on the win. I know you guys are coming off a, a tough loss. What, what was sort of the mentality? What did you guys talk about in terms of bouncing back tonight? Uh, it was really just motivation. Uh, we didn't like how we lost to Bishop. They're a good team, though, but we didn't like how we lost, and we just wanted to pick it up. Um, you guys are so balanced. I was talking to Cav. I'm like, like we're going to have you be our athlete of the week, but it's like everyone scored 15 points, basically. Yeah. Uh, do you like playing on a team like that where it's sort of like anyone can get their shot at any moment? Oh, yes, of course, because anybody anybody can go crazy. We, you wouldn't know on a scouting report who's the guy on our team. So sure. we're all balanced, and I like this about that team. What, what do you think of the way you guys play tonight? I think we played very good. Had a few bad defensive plays, but overall, I think we played good. Last but certainly not least, I know we already mentioned it, Milliken having a great spring season. The softball team playing incredibly well. They beat Lakewood because of a great pitching performance from sophomore Victoria Byram, and they beat Wilson on Tuesday because of a great pitching performance from sophomore pitcher Victoria Byram. She once again put it all together, gave up three hits in the first two innings, and then didn't give up another hit in a three-hit complete game shutout in which she struck out seven Bruins. Uh, but she and catcher Lily Romero were really the story because Romero was able to calm her down. And then Romero turns around and has the big ground rule double that got the two run fourth inning started. And that was the difference. Milliken beats Wilson two nothing. And then this Tuesday, we get the rematch at Lisa Fernandez field at Mayfair park, Milliken Lakewood Tuesday night. Milliken had already beaten Lakewood. Like I mentioned. So, the Lancers can get back on top with a win there. Milliken could take a stranglehold on the league with a win there. It's not soccer, so they can't draw, you guys. We're going to get a winner on Tuesday, and that team is going to be in perfect position to take the crown. So excited about that. But before we get there, let's first talk to Milliken softball coach Akemi Fleming, and then the second voice you're going to hear is Lily Romero, the senior captain catcher. 2-5 in the circle. I mean, yeah. when she's on, you guys look amazing. And yeah. she got into that rhythm, and then she wasn't touchable there after the second inning. Right. Were uh, you expecting that to happen? Because it was kind of a rough start. Oh, it was. That's that's normally how she she does. Like, when we get in the circle, she just kind of gets her motion going, and the girls kind of just follow behind and go on her lead. And today like, was a little rough in the beginning, and um, once she kind of got herself back into it, the girls, same thing. Yeah. Um, so it was they... They do kind of feed off of each other, which is good for me. Lily was phenomenal, both behind the plate with an 
interesting strike zone and yes. also at the plate offensively. Yes. Just talk a little bit about her. Lily's been, she's been working her butt off. She has literally been chipping away to get these hits that she's been doing. Like, we've had her struggle in the beginning of the year, and now it's just she's way more consistent. We've moved her up in the lineup. Um, she's got more confidence in herself, and behind the plate, she's a wall. I, she's been like that for the past four years for me. So, yeah. um, just really proud of Lily getting herself in that senior spot in that captain position where she is and actually holding it on the field too. Yeah. Um, and it's really starting to show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you like the intensity of this squad? It feels like they are more dialed in than most high school softball teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're young. We've these. I have like nine sophomores, so they've already played together. They've also played when they were younger. Mm-hmm. So kind of getting them on the field as they're a little older, it helps them mesh. They bond really well off the field. On the field, they do the same. And so, like, when they get through the lines, it's kind of kind of just natural, you yeah. know. And, and we've, we've gotten to the point where we, we get the flow. We feed off of each other. So it's the intensity with the girls is nice because they all can help get each other in the game and keep each other focused. So Victoria comes out not the strongest of starts. No. How would you guys get back on track? Honestly, it, sometimes all it takes is for us to have a little – pep talk i mean we we tend to start with low energy and then it just takes one little thing to get us going back on track i was just telling her like the defense has your back so just put you gotta pitch a strike pitch a strike you know because i think that was all it was she started off a little a little rough but our defense has our back so if she pitches strikes that's all it takes really yeah uh living upstairs with that rise ball i mean he's giving high strikes he might as well go up there no rise ball is definitely her go-to pitch so like i can i call it all the time going up to the plate there in the what was that the fifth fourth uh in the fourth what were you looking for what'd you Um, get honestly after my first at bat i was like really ahead so i wasn't even looking for the pitch i was just focusing on driving the ball like in the ground something something hard yeah yeah yeah. hit the crap out of it yeah um the energy that you guys talking about Mm -hmm. this team your team seems more dialed in in the clutch moments yeah i noticed it at the lakewood game i noticed it today than most high school softball teams right yeah why is that um because that's that's kind of what it takes. I mean, if you don't have energy, if you're flat, I mean, that's when they get on you. They jump on you. They find that weak spot, and then they take over. So if we can have that energy, if we're the people getting in the other pe- person's head, then the game's ours. Like, it's all kind of gets us going, keeps us up. That concludes another jam-packed episode of What Up Long Beach. Before we go, of course, we want to thank all of our sponsors once again, including Ocean Law Center. Visit OceanLawCenter.com for a list of services they provide. Thank you for your support of local sports coverage, and we will see you next week, y'all.